So we have been teaching on faith. And the justified will live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And see, I think that word justified, those that have been justified will live by faith. It's, it's, a, it's a natural occurrence that when you understand what Christ has done for you, that you will automatically live by faith. See, faith usually is something we try to do. I'm going to try to live by faith. I'm going to ha- try to have faith in God. But when you really understand what Jesus Christ has done and that you've been justified, that you, and we're going to get into this, faith naturally happens. Because the only barrier between us trusting God is us. Because we believe that God is trustworthy. I mean, even if someone doesn't even know God, they, they would say, well, if there was a God, then I guess he's all-powerful. He could do all things. So naturally, you would have a mental assent that, yes, he can, he can work wonders in my life. He can, he can, he can uh, do things that I can't do, right? The question for most believers is, is will he do that? And the reason why we question if he will do that is because we question ourselves. We know ourselves better than anybody. And we know that if, there, if God knows all things and he knows us even as we are known, then we know he knows what we know. And because we know he knows what we know, we don't feel that we deserve for him to do anything for us. But when your believing shifts from your actions to, the, to Christ's actions, and you realize who you are, your identity, this is so key, because our culture, our world has lost their identity. That's what Christ literally came to give us, is our true identity, that it was our genesis, that from the very beginning, who we were in God when you don't understand who you are in Christ and you come to God in the old man, which has been dead and crucified, the old garment that should be thrown away, that we put back on because we are more conscious of our actions rather than Christ's actions, we come with a heart of condemnation. We come with a heart of guilt. We come with a heart of, of begging, a beggar, rather than who we are in Christ Jesus. So faith will naturally occur when you realize that you have been justified, you have been made righteous in the sight of God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that is so important because faith naturally happens. Faith naturally comes. It it builds up within you when you hear what Christ has done. Because it's no longer dependent on what you have done, but it's dependent on what Christ has done. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Once you know the will of God, then you have the ability to trust the will of God, to trust God. We must be confident of not only the faithfulness of God, but the trustworthiness of his word. 
knowing that the word of God and the integrity of God go hand in hand, and that Jesus is the word that is made flesh. We must come alive to the realities of what God has done and who we are in this great salvation of ours. For the road in which we are to walk by faith on is paved with this identity, with this reality. Second Peter 1.20. And I want you to think a little bit about this. Peter was a man that walked with Jesus. He's seen Jesus walk on the waves. He's seen him feed the multitudes. He's seen him transfigure on the Mount of Transfiguration to the, with the glory of God radiating from the inside out with the very glory of God. And he's seen all these things. And he writes to us in, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19, and it says, so we have a prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. What he's saying is, is that if you go back a couple of verses, he talks about how he was on that holy mountain. He's seen things. He's, he's, he's eyewitnesses to what Christ has done. He has seen him raised from the dead. He's seen, he was on the holy mountain when he was transfigured into his true nature. And he says, more sure than what we have seen is the prophetic word of God, the word of God. Peter is saying that the word of God is as authentic as his experience. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And what, he's, what he is literally saying, and it's funny how, how many Christians have a hard time with this, is that this was not written with the mind of a man. But men wrote down what God spoke. God spoke and it was written down. This is the very words of God. Do you know, not a single scientific fact or discovery has ever disproved one verse of the Bible. Right now, I'm just going to give you some knowledge. This is the knowledge that the whole world has. And sure, it might give you more confidence in what you believe, but it's not going to produce faith in you. The, world, the whole world knows this. Not one archaeological discoverer has ever contradicted the Bible. As a matter of fact, the Bible declares certain things that... Later, they actually found the archaeological evidence for. Everybody knows this. This isn't hidden truth, but it doesn't produce faith in people's life. The Bible has more manuscript evidence supporting its reliability and accuracy of translation than any ten pieces of ancient literature combined. Combined, when you go to history class, when you take Roman history, there is more evidence 
for the New Testament than there is for that history class that you're paying big bucks to go to. Look at this. You know Homer, the Iliad? Everybody talks about it and says that it's accurate and that his writings are accurate and it has been changed. It was written in 800 B.C. The earliest copies that they have is 400 B.C. The time gap between those copies is 400 years. How many copies do they have? They have 643. Plato, again, someone that colleges, they, they study and they, you know, stake their, their um, psychology on and all of, the, all of this stuff. 400 B.C., earliest copies, 900 A.D., 1,300 years span and only seven copies exist. Levy, I'm not sure, but it was, it's Roman history. 59 B.C. through A.D. 17, um, 4th century, we have partial, mostly um, 10th century, 400 to 1,000 years apart, and we have one partial from the 4th century and only 19 copies, 19 copies of Roman history. And we say that it's accurate. Caesar, the, the Gallic Wars, 100 to 400 B.C., earliest copy is A.D. 900, 1,000 years and only 10 copies. The New Testament, it was from A.D. 50 to 100. What would that be? That would be A.D. Uh, 114, we have fragmented, 200 books, and 200 A.D., 250 A.D., most of the New Testament, and 325, complete New Testament. So... 50, 100, 150 to 225 years gap, and we have 5,366 copies. The whole world knows the evidence. The whole world knows that there's nothing that has ever disproved the Bible. The Bible talks about north, south, east, west, that, that, that the world is a sphere while men, while science said that the world was flat. Christopher Columbus read the Bible and he believed that the world was round. See, we have all this evidence, but it doesn't produce faith. That's why I don't usually preach apologetics. Because apologetics is just facts. And everybody has these facts, but it doesn't produce faith. The Word of God is what produces faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is not head knowledge, as we've talked about in earlier messages. Faith comes from the heart. Faith comes from the spirit realm. It's a knowing. And it's nice to have all these facts. It's nice to be right, right? We all want to be right. But it doesn't produce faith. There is nothing in ancient manuscripts, script evidence to match such textual availability and integrity of the Holy Scripture. All these facts is just knowledge and it's not faith, as I just said. It just reinforces what you already believe in your heart. It gets your mind to accept what you already know. 
How do you stop doubting the word of God? You want to know? Here's the secret. To, ne- to stop doubting the word of God. Stop, stop trying to figure it out. And just believe it. Just believe it. See, we try to intellectual, trying to understand it. We want to get all these facts. We want to get all these apologetics. We want all this information. But your heart already knows the truth. Just accept it. Just believe. But we don't like that. Why? Because we're, pr- we're prideful. Human pride. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Isn't that something? The Bible says that we have a soul and a spirit and it distinguishes the two. And both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is alive. It's active. It's living. It's vibrating with God's nature and God's ability. God spoke the world into existence. God spoke And he's still speaking to us today through this word. The word of God is just not in the past. It's just not for the future. The word of God is now. The word of God is now. And it's alive and it's God speaking to us now. Look what Jesus said. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. His words, his very words of Christ, the very words of God are spirit and their life unto you. The flesh profits nothing. Do you know what the flesh is? Those slides that we all got excited about just a little while ago that showed evidence that the Bible is trustworthy. But it doesn't profit you nothing. That will not move a mountain. Your faith in God is what moves a mountain. Faith within the heart, not from the head knowledge. Do you understand that? See, because we're going to go, we're about to look at some stuff. This might be we're going to go through some things that might be very basic for you, but the problem is is that they they're not basic for you here in church on Sunday morning. What did I just say? They might be basic for you here at church on Sunday morning, but they need to become basic in everyday life out these doors. Your identity must be transformed by our justification in Christ Jesus. We must become aware of the reality of our redemption in Christ. That's the number one thing. First, we must be aware. It must become who we are. It must become the way we live our life. It must become the way that we filter everything through is that we have been redeemed in Christ. We must believe this not as some Christian slogan or singing a song, I'm redeemed, or a philosophy, but a living fact that we have been purchased out of the kingdom and authority of Satan. You redeemed means to buy back. If God has bought you back, has purchased you out of the kingdom of Satan, has purchased you out of this fallen world, and translated you into the kingdom of his son, if we 
believe that? How would that change how we act out there? If we really believed it, we could turn the world upside down because we'd have faith in God that, that we have been translated. We're in a greater kingdom. We are in the kingdom of light. We have the light to expose, and we have the saltiness to keep the world from decaying. What rights are ours today because Christ has purchased them with his own blood? What rights do you have as kingdom, of, as citizens of the kingdom of God? Of, of people that have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, that you are now in the kingdom of God. With the rights to be healed, the rights to sonship, to have favor in all of our endeavors and over our resources. Do you know supernatural, supernatural ability? We, we need to become a people that expect the supernatural to take over. See, the children of Israel... They wandered in the wilderness. They came through the wilderness. Their shoes did not wear out. Their clothes did not wear out. And they grew with them. You know, as, as, their, as their sons and daughters were growing, they didn't outgrow their clothes. It was supernatural. Do you believe that? They had a covenant with God. We don't only have a covenant. We have been engrafted. We are literally, Jesus says, we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. They ex- supernatural ability. What would happen in your businesses? What would happen in your life? What would happen as, as teachers, as, as, as business owners, as mechanics, or whatever you do, that you just expected that the supernatural ability of God to come into your arena at your workplace? How about joy? We've been redeemed out of a life of depression. We have been redeemed. And joy of the Lord is now within us. It's not something we have to get. He put it in you. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's peace. You have peace. Because you've been redeemed out of the chaos. The fellowship of the Spirit. We, you know, so many people, so many people. I was thinking about this just the other, as I was going through the, uh, the Christmas Eve planning and stuff like that, of how angels came and spoke to so many people, and especially in the Old Testament, it seemed like there was so much natural occurrence of the supernatural and the natural colliding. And, and why do we, we do still see this stuff happening today, but do you know how much greater it is to not have to have an audible voice of God and be able to begin communion with God 24-7 in your heart? To hear God speak to you? The children of Israel did not have that. You have a connection with God and you can commune with God 24 hours a day. Sometimes he'll wake you up in the middle of the night. You know, sometimes when you get woke up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep, maybe you should ask God if he has something to say. Because a lot of times that's the only time he can get your attention. 
Do you realize that? That you are in contact with God 24 hours a day. Right now, as you sit here, the Spirit of God is available to you to hear from heaven. That's, that's, that's amazing. And not only do we have this fellowship in the Spirit, but we've been endued with power from on high to be a witness of who Jesus Christ was. You have the power of God. We sung it this morning. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells within you. You're going to have to, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take this message and go over it and over it and over it and over it until this is the way that you see yourself. This is the way that you see yourself. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has purchased us from the kingdom of darkness. He has qualified us, and we are in the kingdom of his beloved Son. He has. That's past tense. It's already happened. Guess what? There's nothing you have to do to make it happen. Just believe. God did it all for you. Will you have faith in what he has done? The enemy gets his power through our belief systems. Like Adam and Eve, Satan wants you to agree with him and not with God. Do you realize that? These vain imaginations that we wrestle with, that we fight with, that we sometimes sounds, we think that it's even God saying it to us. is Satan trying to get you to agree with him rather than with God. That's what he did to Adam and Eve, and that's what he's doing today. If he can get you to believe that you are no good, that God really doesn't like you, well, that, you know, God, you're going to heaven just because of what Jesus did, but, you know, if God had it his way, he would have nothing to do with you. That you're not righteous, you're not holy, that you're just an old sinner. That's going to be poor all your life. That God, you did so and so, so God's not going to heal you. Will you agree with God or will you agree with Satan? Will you agree with the, what the kingdom of God says, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of, of his beloved son, or what the kingdom of darkness has to say? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, blessed Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Do you know why I can dream big? Do you know why I can can grab a hold of a vision that is so huge that I feel totally inadequate and unqualified to accomplish? Because I have this promise. Because I believe this. Because I have chosen to believe this rather than choosing to believe my inadequacies, my shortcomings, my failures, my ignorance, 
in my ability. God has already in Christ Jesus blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You're in Christ. All of heaven is available to you. All the resources of heaven is available to the saints of God. This is the reality of our redemption. Do you know the currency of heaven is not money? The currency of heaven is not you working to earn something in his kingdom. The currency of heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. And when you have faith in Jesus Christ, all of heaven is available to you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and did not love their life even when faced with death. The blood of Jesus Christ is what has what? Redeemed us. We are overcomers because of the blood that has redeemed us and our Testimony. Testimony is not getting up here and saying, oh, I was just blessed in Sunday service and life is, life is good. That's not a testimony. A testimony is what you have to say about yourself. My testimony is I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells within me. It's my confession. It's my testimony. It's me testifying of what Jesus Christ has done. What's your testimony? What's your testimony? You know, we're supposed to be testifying of what Jesus Christ has done. And as one man said, preach and sometimes use words. As we go out into our life, there is no difference between the sacred and the secular. Wherever you go becomes holy ground. Wherever you go becomes sacred. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God is there. And you are supposed to be testifying of our redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. That you are a peculiar people. You're a different person. God's truth is not is only activated when grace, when the grace of God is mixed with the catalyst of faith of you believing. We are saved by grace through faith. The whole world is saved, but it only becomes a reality in their life when they apply faith, mix faith with the grace of God. When they receive it as their identity, when they believe And God says that that faith is not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. So that ability to receive God's grace is there in every single human being, and they can either accept it or they can reject it. They can either trust the faith that is in their heart or they can trust the knowledge of the kingdom that's in their head. Not only we must become aware of the reality of our redemption in Christ, but we must also awaken to our 
new nature. So we have to, the, the, the road that faith is paved on, because the justified will live by faith, not only do we have to become awakened to the reality that we, the kingdom of darkness has no claim on us, but we also must awaken to our new cre- creation in Christ Jesus, must become our, act, uh, our reality in life. We have to be, we have been born of the Spirit, and we have the very nature of God imparted to us. 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. You have been born again. The old man has died, and you are a completely new creation in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Is that your identity this morning? Do you see that? That not only have you been redeemed, not only have you been purchased, but you have been totally transformed by the Spirit of the living God within you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You were born again, but not only were you born again, God got his hands dirty, and you are his literal workmanship. He he designed you. We are his workmanship. Each one of us sitting here is a work of art, God's poetry unto the world. And we were created, when we were created in Christ Jesus, when we were born again, for good works. We were created in Christ for good works, not by good works. But for good works. Do you realize that God designed you, he equipped you, he, he filled you with his spirit and his ability for good works? When we go out into this world, we should be affecting it with good works. Not through the work of our flesh, but through the work of what? The Spirit. Expecting God to live through us. And every single one of you here do not believe the lie. God has good works for you. He has good works for you. You are not the one that God forgot about, that he just ran out of things for people to do and you're just supposed to float through life and never affect the world for, for Jesus. That's a lie. We must know the reality of our righteousness in Christ. Righteousness. You are right with God. You are right with God. Romans 5.17, For if by the transgression of one, death reigned through the one. He's talking about Adam there. Through, Through Adam's transgression, death reigned through one. Much more. I love that word. Much, much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace. How do you receive God's grace? By faith. And the gift of righteousness. How do you receive God's righteousness? By faith. 
will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we, 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 I make these sermons long so you get your money's worth. But we could rest right on this. We could spend a whole year. I could use this scripture every single day for a whole year. And you're going to say, why would you use the same one, same scripture for a whole year? Until we start doing this, why move on? See, we have more confidence in death reigning in us, that death and chaos and destruction reigning in our lives, reigning in our families, reigning in our finances, reigning in our health, reigning in all the areas of our life. When we do not trust in the gift of righteousness and the grace of God, that we can reign over the kingdom of darkness through Jesus. You are supposed to be reigning over life, not life reigning over you. You are supposed to be reigning over your circumstances, not letting your circumstances reign over you. We do not believe this. Because when bad stuff happens, we fall apart like a $2 suit. When bad things happen, a person of faith laughs and gets ready. I cannot wait to see how God turns this evil into my good. I will reign over this circumstance. And you're sitting there thinking, well, Chad, that, you just sound, that sounds pretty prideful. That sound, no, I'm boasting in what Jesus Christ has done, what Jesus Christ is doing through us. And not trusting in, pride is trusting in yourself. Pride when all chaos comes apart, when things fall apart, when things aren't looking good. Pride says, turns to its own resources and says, we're no good. Turns to failure and says, we're just going to fail. Faith turns to God. And our hope is in God. And, and we expect him to live through us and to allow us to reign in life through the gift of grace and the gift of righteousness, that we are righteous, we are one. Righteousness is a gift, and we are to reign in life through the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? That you have the righteousness of Christ. So what that is saying is that in the eyes of God, you are as right with God as Jesus is. Right? So do you know how angry you should get when condemnation tries to come upon you? Do you know how angry you should get when the lies of the enemy saying that you're no good, that, that you're disqualified, that God doesn't want, you're just rotten to the core? No, my core is the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am right. He, God sees me just like Jesus do you, do you see how if we started believing this, our actions would change? See, the problem is there's so many people, like right now you might think, well, Chad's bold and he really believes this stuff and Chad can do this stuff. You don't understand, I'm just like you. I struggle. I look at my own flesh. I look at my own ability. I look at all these things. And I choose not to trust in them, but to trust in God. And we have to do that in everything that we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God. So everything that's in you, this new creation, this workmanship that he's done, where did it come from? God. Everything that's within you is of God. All these things come from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He redeemed us to, he bought us back. He, he, he reconciled is an accounting term that means to balance out the debt, balance out the sheet. He brought us back to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. See, this is what we are to go into the world to do. We are to see people as God sees them. We are not to count them sins against them, but we are to tell them that they have been reconciled unto Christ. Believe and receive the new creation. But the church spends all its time <laughs> counting their sins against them. Until, instead of saying, this might be the identity that you currently are in, but if you're willing and, and you to believe, he will give you a new identity, a new purpose in life. He will recreate you. And not only that, he will give you his favor and his grace to prosper in life, to do good works for the kingdom of God. I mean, who wouldn't want that? And what's so nice about it is, is that we don't have to convince them because we, I can already trust that the Spirit of God is in them, giving them the faith to believe. That's what Apostle Paul, the Spirit of God was in the Apostle Paul, he says, Jesus says, it's tough. It's tough to go against. It's tough to kick against the pricks. It's tough to go against the Holy Spirit. It is. You, you, it's, it's tough. I mean, look at what Noah did. Or not Noah. Um, Jonah. He got on a ship, sailed in the opposite direction, went to the bottom, very bottom of the ship, and hid. And we were going talking about Jonah this morning, but think about that. You have more on your side for a person to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ than they have on their side. All they have is their worldly knowledge, their worldly mind. We have the very Spirit of God that is pulling them, pricking them, to come into the kingdom. You are a new creation. Don't look back. Look forward. Right? See, a lot of times we think, we, we start thinking to ourselves, well, I'm, I've been born again, but I still feel condemned about my past. Maybe I should go out and just ask for forgiveness for reconciled to all these different people and stuff like that. See, the problem is, is not that your past, what you, that you need to go make amends for your past, the problem is you're looking back and not forward. 
Now, am I saying that if someone comes along your path that you've wronged, and the Holy Spirit says, you know what? You need to tell, tell that person that you're sorry for what, how you treated them, what you did. In the... Yeah, you, we walk in the Spirit. But we don't spend our entire life after we're born again trying to reconcile for things that we've done in the past. You have already been reconciled. And now you see yourself as a new creation and you look forward in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? God imparted his very nature and internal life when we were born again and made a new creation. We should have no guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. Easy for you to say. We must also be aware of the reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to talk about this. That you literally have the Holy Spirit within you. That you have the gifts of the Spirit and the, and the fruit of the Spirit and the empowerment of the Spirit. You, have the, you, you can pray in the Spirit. Talk about faith. Talk about your flesh. You pray in the Spirit. And you don't, you're just trusting that he that prays in the Spirit speaks not unto men, but speaks to God. Talk about faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You are literally the temple of the living God. God lives within you. And if God lives within you, what does that make you? I, don't know. I ain't going to go there. You're much more than just a mere human, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. This is such a wonderful scripture. What it's saying here is that when your old nature comes knocking, when the, when the kingdom of darkness comes knocking, guess what? You can tell them, I'm sorry. I'm not my own. I cannot make the decision to do that because I am the temple now of the living God and I glo this temple glorifies God. You ever notice that people take care of new things better than they take care of old things? Right? People take care of a new car better than they take care of an old car. Until the new car becomes old. The reason why we don't take better care of ourselves and let the, the lies of the enemy wreak havoc in our life is because we believe that we're still the old man and not the new man. Most Christians would get more upset about someone walking into the sanctuary and tracking mud through this building than they do about what they allow the enemy to track through their minds. 
and cause them to do physically. This building is not the temple of God. You are. And the reason why we don't take care, better care of spiritual care of the temple of God is because we still see ourselves as the old man and not the new man. Look what John tells us. 1 John 4.4, 4, You are from God. Where are you guys from? Where are you from? You're from God. Little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Why are, why are you greater than he that's in the world? Because he that's in you is up from God. And who is he that's in you? That born again spirit of God. Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man, in the inner man, we are to be strengthened. We are to be strengthened through the inner man by what? His spirit, the very spirit of God, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. The riches of his glory are to be manifest through the spirit that we are one with, that dwells within our hearts, the spirit of God. See, the problem is, is most of us here, that a message like this isn't important because we're able to live our lives pretty good on our own. Right? The only time that this stuff comes, becomes important is when chaos happens, when sickness happens, when a storm of life happens, when, when we can't do something, then all of a sudden we try. Listen, the reason why the church is living so beneath what God has called it to is because we're trying to only do what we can do in our own strength. This, do you understand that? We're, we're only trying to do what we can. Your bank account right now is what you can do in your own strength. Your business, your relationships, your marriage, your children, your community, your government is what we can do in our own strength. And it's time that the church raises up, raises up, and starts trusting God to do something that's bigger than themselves. As I've said over and over again, if it doesn't take faith in God, what you're doing in your life is not of God. And don't take, take me wrong. When I say that, I'm not saying that being a housewife, when I say if it doesn't take faith in God, then what you're doing is not of God. When I'm saying, Amanda, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying she needs to go out and do some new exploit, that she needs to go get a, a, a career or something. What I'm saying is, is that, that what, God, what God has called her to is a calling. 
Just like preaching the gospel, preaching from the pulpit is a calling. And if you're called to that, you are supposed to bring faith in God into that, to do things, to be the Proverbs 31 woman. You know, so many people, I've, I've been reading, man, I'm all over the place this morning. So many, I've, I've been pe- reading people that, uh, article, I read an article about we need to stop preaching, telling women that, need, that they need to be the Proverbs 31 woman because it brings condemnation, makes them feel guilty. You know, yeah, if you're trying to be the Proverbs 31 woman in your own strength, yeah, you better feel guilty because you can't do it. But through God, you can do it. And it's the same thing if you're a mechanic. You open that up to be, to start expanding what you're able to do through faith in God and not trusting in yourself. And you, what you'll find is that God will start speaking to you, that he'll be giving you visions and hopes and dreams and things that he wants you to accomplish for the kingdom of God. And, and, you'll, and those things are going to come up, and you're going to say, well, I, could, I couldn't do that. I'm not educated. I don't have enough money. I can't. What if I, what if I got up here and said, this, you know, this church, we can't do nothing really. We can't do nothing because, you know, we're just small. We don't, have, we don't have enough money to do this stuff. You know, so let's just sing some hymns and go home. You would think that I have no right to be behind this pulpit. Listen, what you are called to in life is no different than the calling that I have behind this pulpit. My goodness. And last, not only do we have to know of the reality of the indwelling Spirit of God within us, we must be aware of the reality of our fellowship with God, our Father. That this isn't just some big legal thing. Do you know something? We don't learn the promises of God. We don't learn who we are in Christ to try to use it against God. That's what a lot of people try to, that's how we've learned faith, that I got to find a promise in the Bible, and then I got to use it as a weapon towards God to make him take his tight-fisted hand off what I need. No, in Christ Jesus, God has his hands wide open. The whole kingdom of God is yours. We need to renew our minds in, in the promises of God, not for God's sake, but for our sake. And we use them against the enemy not on God. Because he's our father. This isn't just some legal contract that I have a legal right to health. I have a legal right to the favor of God and the prosperity of God and joy. God, you promise all this stuff. It's not about you promise it, so where is it? It's you promised it. You delivered through Christ Jesus. I have it. Now I go to war against the kingdom of darkness. We are his children. This is a relationship that I've spent the last two weeks talking about, that faith is the foundation, is a relationship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You have come into fellowship. We break bread. Think about that. God 
invites you in to have supper with him, to sit at his table, to break bread with him. We have fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, to you, write so that our joy may be made complete. We have fellowship with God the Father. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses from all sin. See, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that isn't saying, well, if you choose to walk in the light. It's stating a fact that if you're in Christ Jesus, if you have fellowship with Christ Jesus, you are walking in the light. And if you are walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. See, we turn that into a work. Well, i got to make sure I'm walking in the light. No, you are walking in the light. What does it look like for faith to express itself? Obedience. If we believe, see, that word obedience, we think that's, that's a bad word, obedience. No, in God, it, it, it's blessing. When we believe the re- reality of our redemption, of our justification, when we believe that, we naturally, the natural step is that we are obedient to what it declares about us. We are obedient to see ourselves not in the flesh, not in Adam, but in Christ. We are obedient to believe that there's no weapon for it against me shall prosper, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We come into obedience when we have faith in God. We must become aware of the reality of our redemption in Christ. We must be aware of our new creation in Christ Jesus. We must know the reality of the, our righteousness in Christ Jesus. We must be aware of the reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We must be aware of the reality of the fellowship we have with our Father. And when we are aware of this, we will walk by faith. Hebrews 4.2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So this morning, we've heard a lot. Will you mix faith with what we've heard so God can cause it to profit in your life. Will we mix faith? Will we find our identity in Christ? Will we find our ability in him? Will we see ourselves as he sees us? The grace of God produces when it's mixed with faith. The very moment you start trusting God. Once you begin to trust God, faith works. It just connects you with his grace 
his ability in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we've been justified. We thank you that we've been made righteous. We thank you that we don't have to look back, but we can look forward in Jesus. We thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We thank you that we have fellowship with the Father and your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you call us your beloved. You call us children of God. And our heart cries out, Abba, Daddy. Father, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would convict us of our righteousness that it would convict us of these truths that we heard this morning. That we wouldn't just believe it here in church on Sunday, but we'd believe it on Monday, we'd believe it on Tuesday, that we'd believe it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that we would believe that we are a peculiar people, that we have the blessing of God upon our lives, that we have called us to change the world, to preach the gospel of the kingdom to be a witness, witness and a testimony of who Christ is, that he has raised from the dead and that he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords and he will return. Father, let us be a church that rises up, that doesn't look at our own resources, that doesn't look at our own ability, does not look at our own strength or intellect or wisdom, but has a heart to transform our communities through faith in Jesus Christ. May you do a work that causes the world to awe through your willing vessels. We receive that. We trust in it. And we walk out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.